Welcome everyone, I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. My guest today is Dr. Ruby Scroggins. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. We just met for the first time today, but I feel like I know you because I've spent a lot of time um, learning about you and and doing some research. So thanks for thanks for being here. You will. All right, Dr. Scroggins. So uh, you served as the principal of Joseph. Samuel Clark from 2013 to 2018 and are now the supervisor of special education compliance, complaint management, and parent community involvement for Caddo Parish. Let's start today with this quote of yours where you said in speaking about J.S. Clark the following, we are a very impoverished area And I say that because I grew up in this area. I went to the same school. I graduated from the high school two blocks away. I've lived the lives that these students live every day in poverty. My question is, for the moneyed community of Shreveport-Bossier that may not understand what life looks like in the lakeside Allendale neighborhood. Can you describe it for us? I would say it's a community of caring, but there's some deficits for uh, financial stability, uh, lack of homeowners, uh, unemployment, uh, generational poverty. And I don't think the different parts of the city have an understanding of the challenges that cause. Uh, I've worked with the Northwest Louisiana Food Bank, Volunteers of America, both the two organizations that have really stepped in in that community and understand uh, the needs of working with at-risk children. As as a principal of J.S. Clark, those two organizations were very beneficial in enriching the lives of the students in my school and other schools that they are actively involved in making sure the children have good educational lives and are successful. Um, but we know when there are needs resources are necessary, Um, financial for sure, but some of it is, um, would be human resources. For example, the VOA, I think they're funded um, by the Grayson Foundation, uh, the uh, Community Foundation, and I think First Presbyterian Church. Um, Those organizations have a clear understanding in, um, of the needs. For example, uh, Volunteers of America provided uh, communities and schools in partnership with uh, Cattle Parish Schools. And if you look at the data from 
last year, last school session, in academics, behavior, and attendance, um, there were improvements of about 50% in each one of those areas in schools that had uh, communities and schools. It takes um, resources like that to better the lives because it's our community uh, and it's a reflection for businesses that want to come in if we're not proactive and taking care of the needs of our city. Um, food bank, um, knowing that there's poverty, I work with uh, Mrs. Martha Merrick and we had probably the first school in the region that had a food bank where we had uh, a giveaway every month from our school. So our parents would come there and participate in the food dis distribution and that's a way, great way to get parents involved in the school. If you were not successful in school, you wouldn't feel comfortable coming on a school campus even as a parent. So um, you have to take a different approach to meet the needs. I strongly believe in uh, Billy Graham's statement, you have to meet people where they are, and that's what I think that we have to do in the city. Love it. And do you have any, I mean, this is a hard question, but do you have any recommendations for those who maybe don't understand what life looks like there, how, how they can gain a, a better understanding? I think um, we have to concentrate my solution, one of my solutions would be to concentrate on the students that are going to be adults, that'll be in the service industry or just in the employment industry in maybe 10 years. Uh, we want to make sure that they're developed properly. So, you know, if it's any way that you can get involved with the, the school system, Volunteers of America has data of the things that they're doing in the community, I think Volunteers of America would be a great start to give a clear picture uh, of what you could do as a community member or as an organization. I think um, that's one of the bright lights in the community and if we want to make change and have the concrete recent data of what is actually going on and what's needed to help our um, students, I think that would be a great place to start. And I think you would be surprised of the information you could get. And I don't think you can leave there with not saying, I'm going to do my part to try to bridge this gap. Because, like I say, human resources uh, goes a long way. Maybe just you just want a tutor in some in a school. I mean, just simple things that add up that would make a dramatic difference. In 2016, you were one of ten Louisianans to receive the Angel Award presented by the Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana Foundation. In speaking about you, one of your supporters said the following. Ruby is an angel. What she's doing here is what no other high school or elementary school or any school person is doing in this parish. 
and that is helping their children at this school and their entire families by having a school pantry. Talk to me about, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but talk to me about the school pantry that you started with the Food Bank of Northwest Louisiana and Martha Merrick. How did it work and is it still in operation at J.S. Clark today? just kind of I got together with my staff and I just have to tell you I had the best staff on earth I mean it's not well, that's not my job but this is my planning period or I don't want to assist or I can't stay after I can't come early it was never I can't down to uh, teachers paraprofessionals uh, custodians security SPD would stay overtime to help to do whatever needed to be done for the school. When I tell you a school family, none other has existed, you know, as far as my measurement. Um, we did it once a month. Uh, it was very organized. With something that big, I had 805 students, and I probably served maybe 400. Um, a little excess of 400 each month. So, of course, that was organization, but that was a good time for parental involvement, giving information, uh, may have a, a program on that day. Parents are already there for that. So, I just used it to try to increase our parental involvement, uh, foster trust. Uh, wanted, I wanted parents to feel comfortable with questions or concerns and feel like they could come talk. I never set conferences. If you come, I'm gonna see And so I think uh, that really, I would say it increased the um, admiration of school in the community because parents felt like they were valued and involved and their needs were being met. And when you were serving once a month, like what does that look like? What were you providing? And and uh, perishable, mostly non-perishable, but some perishable items. Sometimes it was clothing. Although our um, communities and schools through Volunteers of America provided a uniform closet for our students, whatever the needs they provided, ballet, uh, just a lot of different. Uh, opportunities to give our kids the exposure that they may not have gotten. Um, what some parts of the community may not realize is that in some schools uh, in impoverished areas, children do not have the exposure of maybe a five mile radius outside of where they live and go to school. So those experiences that were provided through Volunteers of America, opening up new horizons for them. So uh, with the VOA and the, uh, the food bank, those were, and First Methodist Church downtown uh, invested a lot in our students as well. And what, what, talk about a little bit about maybe the food shortage or food needs well, of some of this. It's a food desert. Allendale is a food desert. 
And so if you don't um, have transportation, you have to depend on public transportation and maybe you don't have the money. It doesn't seem like a lot to maybe me or you, but if you don't have the, the fee for riding the city bus, or if you have some disability and are not mobile, and you have children that you have to feed. So the food bank was um, a godsend for all of the families uh, in the neighborhood that came. And when I get to school on the food bank distribution day, I already have a long line. So they were there before I got to work. And just for those who may not understand, when you say food desert, basically you're saying there's no supermarket and not in that area. They would have to travel to North Market uh, for the closest, um, and that would only well, it would be two there, but one a little further north. But so food, accessible food, uh, produce, meat, or whatever. That was not the case. Now, uh, recently, in the past year, they built a small, uh, I think it's a family dollar downtown, but before then, nothing was close. So that's a hardship if you have, don't have transportation. And the food pantry, when you were doing it once a month, you were providing a month's worth of, of food to these I families? I would say it was a month, but... It was, a, it was a nice amount. It was dependent on the number of people living in your household, and that's how the amounts for each uh, product was determined. And I read where you said something like there were some of the kids that you served or some of the students that you had that it, without this food pantry, after they came to school on Friday, they weren't going to eat again until Monday. And that is, that is so. Uh, before the food pantry... Um, Volunteers of America introduced me to a program that the food bank had, which is called the Backpack Program. And on Fridays, they have a backpack, and it's filled with non-perishable items. And the children take those home, and uh, nobody knew what was in the backpack. It was could have been books, you know, as far as everybody was concerned. But those children were um, conspicuously called down to get their backpacks on Friday. And they went home with their backpacks on their back, so they had. We knew they would have something to eat on the weekend until they returned to school on Monday morning. So uh, I think it's a very widespread program now in the district. So it's just imagine going home on Friday from work and not having anything to eat until you got back Monday. It's a horrible feeling, and. Uh, Food Bank is having their fundraiser uh, this Thursday, and it's called Empty Bowls. And it's the it's a fundraising event, but it also brings awareness to having this empty bowl in front of you. And imagine that that's what you have to face every day when you go home, a bowl with nothing in it. So the, the fundraising uh, thing, Empty Bowls, is very fitting to what some of our students would have to go through without the help of the food bank and other organizations. Amazing.
in in speaking about the angel award another one of your supporters said the following principal scroggins drive comes from her compassion to help people she is always willing to go above and beyond to meet the need for a student and their family it's an unbelievable amount of time that she spends and will do whatever she can to help these families to achieve what they need how do you explain your overwhelming compassion to help people or in other words how do you think that you came to feel such a sense of service to others i would i would say it um, comes through my some of my challenges as a child and um, sometimes people have misconceptions of your outer appearance and uh, that was a conversation i had with some of my parents once they um, developed a relationship with me I would have some parents come to me and ask well how do I handle this situation um, what do you suggest or uh, can you help me with this can you help me fill out this application for employment and so if you have a heart for people and um, the love of God in your heart that's, it comes natural. That's what you're going to do. I would always tell them, never feel like you or your children are never going to succeed. When you would walk in my office at G.S. Clark, there was a, a huge um, picture of me and my brother with our backpack standing in front of our ragged house. And so I wanted them to see when you first walk in there, that's, it was a conversation piece. Well, that's a nice picture. Well, that's actually me and my brother. So don't look at where I am now. You have to work to work hard to improve yourself. You can't get stuck in the rut is that I'm living in poverty. This is the way it's going to be. There's no hope. And so I guess being the oldest of five children, I have to have compassion, I have to have discipline, and I have to be organized. I have to be organized. So I think that's where my compassion comes from. Um, am I opinionated? Yes. But I do have compassion. I'm going to listen to your side. I may not agree, but it's always going to be on what I think is the best for the situation. And, how can we better improve ourselves or improve the lives of your children? So uh, I would just say my compassion comes from 60 years ago. It's just who I am. While you were the principal at J.S. Clark, you started a school-based health clinic. Talk to me about why this was important and is it still in operation today? The school-based clinic is still in operation. Um, the way it started is I was in a meeting with the superintendent and volunteers of America and some more organizations, and they say, well, Ruby, tell us what you need. So coming to the meeting, I wasn't sure what it was about, but I said, well, maybe they want to ask me 
what do I need? So I just made a whole list. And so when I got there, I had a handout for everybody to say, oh, we can do all of this. Everything on here, VOA can do. Cattle can assist with this. And so my rationale for the school clinic was I have a lot of students that may have sickle cell, some diabetic, um, malnourished, um, headaches, stomach aches. So they would be missing school. So if you're not in school, you're missing your lessons. And so when you miss your assignments at school, that takes you further behind. So in order to keep my kids in school, I said if we had a nurse here full time uh, to see them, give them what they need, send them back to class, they're not out of school, they're here, they're being taken care of medically as they need it, uh, it's a win-win situation. So they did better than a full-time nurse. They, it, at that time, it was Christus that um, worked with the other organizations, and um, they said, you have space? Oh, we have space. And so when I say a full-blown clinic, I was born, and a nurse, um, like an LPN, and uh, at the opening it was Dr. Gretchen Petaway. That was the doctor that would come in two or three times a week if she needed to do something. And they would, the nurse would call and say, we have this issue. If Dr. Petaway needed to come, Dr. Gretchen Petaway would come. So she was our doctor on call. So it was, um, it was just what we needed. I mean, it just completed was a, a sign of completion for me. And in fact, we had one student that was healthy looking the year before. And the next year he came back, he was skin and bones. And so we talked to the mom, he was, food was not an issue and sent him to the health clinic. They did a lot of testing, found out that the student had a thyroid problem. So. I'm not saying we solved that problem, but we were helpful in determining um, that something was wrong and we needed to see what it was for the, for the health of that child. So the, that was a clear sign that the clinic was very beneficial for our students and their community. And the parents appreciated because just because you live in a impoverished area and you don't have money, a misconception is that those parents don't work. That's a myth. A lot of those parents work two and three jobs, and it's hard for them to get off work. They lose money if they get off work, they have to take their kids to the doctor. So, in another sense of it, that was more beneficial for the parents. They wouldn't have to worry about taking off work and losing that, that hourly pay to go to a doctor, by the medicine, all of that was taken care of at the clinic. So we had um, immediate success with the food bank, with the clinic. So um, it was very enriching for all of the staff. 
and I can't take credit for any of it. When I tell you that entire staff worked, they worked. It was it was not like a job to them. It was like a calling to everybody that no complaints, what can I do or I can do this. So it everybody needs to be on, on board. So we just we had a good thing. <laughs> we had a good thing. I think I know where that came from. Well, it takes everybody. It does. It, it takes everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody on that staff was willing and worked hard to make sure those kids had what they needed. All right, so we're going to get a little outside of J.S. Clark for a sec. As you, My next question is, as you look around at our community, what concerns you the most? flip side of that question as as you look around at our community what makes you hopeful about the future I'm hopeful that we can get it right on what we need to do for our youth it's no secret of the crime in our area and I've talked with a lot of those students through doing grief counseling with the school district. There's a death, the school district has a grief team of counselors that go out. And I've talked with a lot of those students. Uh, and 
they're worth listening to. They make a lot of sense. It is nothing for them to do. Um, in their neighborhoods, there's no or not much organized activity. So, without direction, what do you do? I'm just a child, you know. Leadership uh, in the communities. Uh, in some areas, uh, some churches have a lot of activities, but it's not enough to go around. So I think as a community, we can't say, well, I live on this part of town, and this is the only area I'm concerned with. When a business wants to come to town, they're not worried about your one community. They're worried about the entire city. They want great schools for their children. They're shopping for a house in an area with little crime. So if we want to be marketable and improve our economic development and the livelihood of our community, we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone and see what we can do to help our neighbors. Well, that was my last question. Is there anything else? Um, it's a real treat to have you here today. Um, you've done extraordinary things in the community. And is there anything else that you'd like to say as you kind of look out and uh, provide your wisdom to us moving forward? I just challenge every person that is willing to improve our community to really move around ask questions. Uh, Food Bank, Volunteers of America, two good starts on getting information. I would suggest setting up a meeting with Miss Merrick or with Carolyn Hammond at the VOA. I promise you, you'll have a different perspective. Two great resources for information and actions that you can take to assist. Well, thanks, Dr. Scroggins. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay. Enjoyed it. Thank you. I did, too. Thank you.